Good morning. We can do better. It's a new year, and it's a new you. So good morning. All right, so here's where we've been. Uh, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit for about eight weeks, and that ended last week. And so I, uh, I have, I don't know if it's a confession or just kind of let you in. Last week I shared um, as a part of the sermon that the last sermon in last week's series and this week would kind of go together. And I had kind of this idea that there were a couple of things I hoped that the church would embrace in the new year. And last Sunday, um, we talked about the leadership of the Holy Spirit and um, His guidance in our life in every decision and every moment of every day. And um, today I intended, uh, last, last Sunday, I intended to preach today on God's unfolding and multiplying mission in the world and challenge the church to embrace that. And so um, that was the plan. But next week we're stepping into a brand new series um, called Who's Your One? And we're going to be talking about evangelism and we'll have plenty of opportunity to explore that. But I got, um, if I'm going to be real frank, uh, I got to um, last night and decided that, that what I was going to preach this morning wasn't what I, I needed to preach. And so I'm preaching something different today. And so um, I want to invite you to open up into uh, Psalms chapter uh, 119, beginning in verse 49. Psalm 119, verse 49. Now, if we preach the entirety of Psalm 119, we'd be here a month because this is the longest chapter in the Bible. It actually has 176 verses. And it's divided into um, sections of eight. And so you have uh, basically eight verse sections that are each named with a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And so we're picking one of those sections of Scripture, and we're going to work through it a little bit today. So I want to invite you to open up in Psalm 119, 49 through 56. So it's a new year, and if you haven't realized it, it's also a new decade. And so while to, to some degree that's kind of arbitrary, I mean, it's any other day also, but in our minds, we, we tend to, at the beginning of the year, in the beginning of a decade, or the beginning of a century, um, say, okay, well, this is important. This, this one really matters. This is a moment where I can push that button and kind of start again. But um, you know what? Uh, while the rest of the world, and even us to a large degree, are looking towards the future and the decisions that God might call us to make or the directions that we might take, um, I think that it's important for, uh, as Christians, as the church, to push pause on that because it's, it's easy to approach the future and leave the past behind. And so I think before we really begin to envision what might be next for our personal lives, for our families, and for our church, um, I think that we need to remember what God has said to us before today. Because I think remembrance is, is incredibly significant in the life of the Christian. So, um, why look uh, forward um, without um, looking back first? The truth is that God wrote this, the story of your life, and He wrote the story of your past. He's writing the story of your present, and He, he knows how the story will continue and, and how it will unfold in the future. And the truth is, everything that's happening today and everything that will happen in the future, God, God knows, He's in control of, but He's building on some things that have happened in your past to prepare you for what's next in your life. And so I think it's really important that we push pause and remember. I'm reminded of a different psalm in Psalm 139 that basically says that every day um, that has been ordained for you has, was written in a book before one of them came to be. In other words, um, 
Every day that God gives you here on earth, he knows and he's written it down. And so he, he knows all about your past. He knows all about your present. He knows all about your future. And he's purposing your past and the things that he would call you to remember to prepare you for what's next in your life and for your future. So in a moment like this, a new day, a new year, a new decade, I think it's important that we push pause and we remember. Our text this morning is really a small part of this really large section of Scripture in Psalm 119. It's a wonderful psalm that's really about the importance and ultimately the supremacy of God's Word. It's about the, the, the desperate need that pe the people of God have for the truth of God's Word. It contains, like I said, 176 verses divided into eight sections. Each is titled with, uh, with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, I remember back some years ago, I preached through this chapter in 22 weeks. So if you divide um, 176 by eight verses, you end up with 22 Sundays. And for a chapter that really has one subject, it takes a lot of discipline and creativity and honestly, for me, struggle to preach from the beginning to the end in Psalm 119. Because you read it and it's like, Value the word, 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 value the word. It's just this section of scripture that is honestly more intended to, uh, to like knead your heart like dough um, concerning a value for scripture. It's, uh, it's a wonderful section of scripture. The group of people that I preached that in front of, I was a youth pastor at the time, it was a group of teenagers. We actually memorized the entire uh, 176 verses over those 22 weeks while we uh, worked through it in preaching. And so um, let me tell you, this te text, this chapter has been uh, a well for me. It's been one that the Holy Spirit regularly, um, when I'm kind of running my own way, says, Matt, remember this. Matt, remember that. And he pulls those verses back to my heart and to my, my remembrance, and he ministers to me and encourages me. And so this particular section, verses 49 through 56, is one that I like um, a lot. I like them all. Obviously, they're God's word. But this section in Psalm 119, um, titled Zayin, um, it's the seventh letter in the Hebrew alphabet, is one of my favorites. I like it because it calls us to remember. So look with me. The word remember in the ESV is found twice. In most other translations, it's found three times in this short section of Scripture. Um, it's found in verse 49, it's found in verse 52, and it's found in verse 55. Let me show you. It says in verse 49, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. Then in verse 52, I'll give you the ESV first. It says, when I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. So we're, that's the ESV translation. But if a lot of other translations, including NIV, say, when I remember your word or your law or your truth, I find comfort in it. And then you look at verse 50, 55 and it says, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. So you see the word remember again and again and again, but you also see a theme of God's truth, God's words, God's voice throughout this little section of Scripture. So this morning, I want to take just a few minutes to examine each of these 
instances of remembering in this particular section of Scripture. And I want to call, um, call on the Lord, really, to continue to build your story, to build the story of your life, to build the future of your life and your family and our church as we remember what God has done and He uses those things to shape us and prepare us for the future. So I want to call us to remember. So before we dig into these three verses, these three instances of remembrance, as the text was being read, Jessica did a great job reading the text this morning. She kind of got that assignment here in the ninth hour, and so I'm always grateful for those of you who rise up and say, I'm willing to read God's Word. If, if anybody else ever wants to do that, you can see Augustine or I or Laura or someone else in the room, and we will give you the opportunity to declare God's Word through the reading of God's Word one week. So thank you, Jessica. But as Jessica read through that section of Scripture, you may not have noticed the word remember, but what you do notice is that it's kind of dark. Did anyone else see that or hear that as we work through this section? Read back through it. Verse 50 talks about afflictions. What are afflictions? They're things that come upon you that are difficult, right? You can be afflicted by disease. You can be afflicted by some difficult circumstances. But it's some pain or some difficulty that is thrust upon you. It's an affliction. Um, verse 51 talks about intense harassment by wicked people. So there's difficulty and darkness in that. It's like I'm afflicted and now somebody's harassing me about it. So you start to feel the weight on your shoulders. Verse 53 talks about grace, stress, and even anger because of wicked people that have come against the author of this particular text. Which, by the way, many psalms are written by David. We don't have a name on this particular psalm. A lot of people think that David wrote it, but there's a couple other options out there. So for to our sake today, I'm just going to say the author because we don't know. And so the author of this particular text feels like wicked people have come against him. Then in verse 54, it talks about the long journey of life. Sometimes that's really great. Sometimes that doesn't feel so great. We feel like we're sojourning or we lost our way. Or we're in, Often when the word sojourn is used, it's talking about being in a foreign land. So that can be difficult. Verse 55 says that the author remembers or is thinking about some things in the night. Anybody ever been stressed or you've had so much on your mind that you couldn't sleep and you wake up at 3 a.m. and it's just, just wrestling? I know if you're a parent, you've lived there. If you're a student and you've had an intense week, you've lived there. If you're a youth pastor and the trip, uh, overnight trip is the next day, you've been there. Like your mind is going crazy over something. And so you can't sleep, and so there's some, some things that you're wrestling with there. So this is a dark section of Scripture. It's a hard section of Scripture. Write this down. This is number one. Um, it's the first point for today. Did you know that God does His best work in our most difficult seasons? Did you know that God does His best work in your life in the most difficult of seasons? Now, we're always striving not to have difficult seasons. But the Lord does His best work in our most difficult seasons. Through this text, the Lord is going to call you to remember some important lessons about life, things that He's taught you, lessons He wants to use for, the, for your good and for your future. And if you're struggling to remember, let me give you a suggestion. Go to your most, in your memory, go to your most difficult, the most difficult seasons of your life. And ask yourself, 
in hindsight, what did God say or what did God cultivate or what did God do or what did God teach during that season? That's a season you can hang your, the, a hook on in your memory. Has God ever spoken to me? Is there something I re, that I need to remember related to the Lord? Go back to a difficult moment and remember what God said then, and then you'll, re, you'll recognize that God indeed, because we remember the difficult moments. There's something interesting about difficult moments. We get real desperate in a difficult moment. So desperate people cry out. But our hearts get real raw, which means they also get real sensitive. And so we find ourselves in the difficult moments sensitive and crying out. That puts our ears, our spiritual ears, in a position, if we're in the Word, to hear from the Lord. And so if, you, if, if, you, if there's things the Lord has said to you, things He wants you to hang the hat of your life on, things He wants you to go back to, the place to begin to search is in those most difficult seasons and those difficult moments to remember that the Lord was there, that the Lord did have something to say. So confessionally, when I think back on my life, um, this is the truth, absolutely, 100%. Now, I know some people read a text, they learn a lesson, they apply it to their lives, and good to go. I know that there are some of you out there that that's the way it works. But some of us are really hard-headed. Most of us are really hard-headed. Most of us, it takes circumstance, the spirit, and truth for us to receive God's truth. Not just in a way that it's like, oh, I hear it and I know it here, but in a way where it hits us in the head, it simmers in our hearts, and it begins to be lived. That's a different kind of listening than studying Scripture and studying Scripture and being like, oh, I, saw, I totally know this. It's totally different to know something deep down in, in the pit of your soul and for it to become a part of your identity and a truth that you live every day. So those difficulties, those circumstances, the truth of God's Word and the Holy Spirit do, does a work. Now, I think back over my life, and uh, there's a whole bunch of moments that this has been true. I think about the destruction of my family when I was 15 years old when my dad left, and God showed up in that and on the back end of that and spoke to me. He spoke some identity-shaping truths to me about who I am in Christ Jesus. When I almost failed out of college, so those of you who are struggling with like exams in school, um, I identify with that. Some are like brainy, brainy people. Most of the people who lead up here on the platform, those are those people, and then you get me. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not of that cloth where I study and I'm like, yeah, I got that. And then I can go take a test and make A's. Like I struggled. And I liked foolishness my first couple of years of college. And so the combination of not loving school and being super foolish, I made F's on 50, in 50% of my classes in my first semester um, when I was at Union University. F's, not D's, not C's, F's. Almost failed out. Probation, the whole nine yards. And in the middle of all of that, the Lord spoke. Doesn't he? When you find yourself and your back's against the wall, Lord help! And there he is. He's got some things to say about personal responsibility, about growing up, about not resting on my, my mom's work or my friend's work or so-and-so's work, but taking responsibility for myself. God spoke. When I lost my first ministry job because of a foolish decision. Come on in, Matt. Do you have your keys with you? 
Yes, I do. Why do you need my keys? You're fired. Give them to me, and here's why. But, Lord, I'm following you. I'm doing what you... What, what is this about? Well, here's what it's about. Oh, well, that makes sense. In the middle of that, the Lord spoke. When God had me working with a difficult pastor, I, I was employed as a youth pastor, and there was a pastor that was really difficult to work with. And I found myself wrestling with, am I supposed to be here? Am I not supposed to be here? And in the middle of all of that difficulty, the Lord spoke. When Hurricane Katrina rolled through, took all of my things away, and my, the ministry that I'd served for four years away. God spoke through that. He had some things to say to me, some shaping to do. When the Lord gave me, I'm not talking about anybody here or anybody that was connected to Hope Church either, but when God gave me a difficult ministry partner, a co-worker, and it was just like, all the time. This particular young man, my third week, pulls me into the office and he was like, I really don't like you. And they hired you, but they should have they should have hired me. And every day that you're here, I'm going to work to see you not be here anymore. In church, like raise the hood on that, I got to see under the hood quick, you know? But can I tell you, the Lord spoke in those circumstances. That time that um an older lady in the church was kind of gossipy in the bathroom um, about the ministry that I led. And then um, and another volunteer overheard it. And the next week, I got an envelope in, in the mail that was anonymous with a whole bunch of cutouts of ministry positions from state Baptist newspapers that said, you should take one of these. I was mad. But can I tell you, after I calmed down, the Lord spoke. When I resigned from the church that I served in Nashville and um, publicly was communicating one thing, but privately the circumstances were different than the church knew. It was duress and struggle and difficulty. The Lord spoke. When almost no one showed up at the church we started in New Orleans for the first few years, the Lord spoke. There's a couple of you here that were there in those early days. You have no idea how grateful that I am that you're still here. Um, but it was hard. And there were moments that I thought, Lord, did I miss it? Did you really call me to do this? But in, those rest, in that wrestling, in those struggles, the Lord it was faithful to speak. When we lost our worship space two years ago and ended up moving in here on, um, on Sunday nights, you know, we didn't know the merger was going to happen. We didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. Uh, I found myself crying out like, Lord, what is going to happen? What, what's, what's, what's happening? You know, and I was angry and frustrated. And in the middle of all that, the Lord, obviously, he spoke. You know, the greatest lessons and the most shaping seasons come in or following pain. There is some, something about difficulty and pain that causes us to seek more earnestly and hear more clearly. So, Remembering what God has done, it, it, the, the lessons, the, the remembering of those lessons, it starts with remembering the struggles and seeing in hindsight what sprang from those seasons of difficulty. Now, I've got two or three other points. At the end of each one, I'm going to say the same thing. But it would do you good. It would do us good 
for you to take a little time here at the beginning of the year and to write down some things that the Lord has said and that the Lord has done. And to ask yourself, am I walking in what the Lord has said and in what the Lord has done? Because we need a reminder about that. So I'm going to say that again several more times. Number two, write this down. Remember what God promised and how he came through. Remember what God promised and how he came through. Look with me at verses 49 and 50. The text says, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promise gives me life. So it starts out this way. Remember your word to your servant. So here, this isn't um, something we're remembering, this word remembrance or remember. The, uh, the author is saying to God, he's crying out to God, Remember your word to your servant. So he's in these difficult circumstances and he's crying out. Here the author is calling upon God to remember what he promised during the past season of suffering. The author of this text is in a difficult situation and he knows that comfort comes from remembering the promises that God made to him. And he's crying out, God, remember your promises, be faithful. So um, we see that um, the author says, I'm comforted by the promise that you just, promises that you've made to me. And he continues, Lord, make good on the promises that you have made. This is quite a prayer, isn't it? It's a good prayer for all of us who find ourselves in difficult circumstances. God's made promises. We need God to deliver. God, help. You said this. You said that. Please come through. I need you to make good on that promise now, Lord. You know, even though we might be sitting in a, a place where the promise is unrealized but is still in front of us, you know, we know that God is faithful. And praying this way, calling upon the Lord, is a demonstration of our faith in His faithfulness. But then, don't you know hindsight's twenty twenty? I know it is for me. I can tell you in all those circumstances that I listed, when I was all up in the middle of it, and when you were all up in the middle of yours, it was a little hard to see. Now, you grow through it, and that's, that's kind of the point. But the first few times especially, you go, where is the Lord? God, I need you to be faithful to your promises. But praise God, hindsight's twenty twenty. When I look back at the difficult seasons of my life, specifically the times I cried out to God and I clung to His promises during difficult circumstances, when I was in it, I was desperate, I was hold, holding on and clinging on to faith. But then, sometimes all at once, and at other times over the course of some time, God came through. He showed Himself to be faithful again. He showed up. He provided healing. He delivered, he restored, he moved. His power was poured out in my life. Like I said, sometimes it's instantaneous. Like I remember right after, soon after my dad left, I remember being really angry and crying out to the Lord verbally and loudly and tearfully, you know. And I said, you promised this if I would serve, if I would follow you. And the Lord, in just a gentle whisper sort of way in my heart, said, I'm still here. It's you. And I repented, and God's joy rushed, rushed back in. Rushed. Now, that's a moment in my life where 
there was the Lord. But more often than not, I have to look at a year down the road and look back on that dark time and realize, man, look at what God did. I know some of you have walked through those dark seasons. Like I, I recognize the stewardship of, the, of, a, of a point like this and a moment like this in a, in a group, among a group of people like this because I'll, I, I walk through the room just in my mind as I say the things that I'm saying and I, I know that there's deep, dark, difficult circumstances and I know, I know many of them in most of you. And um, you may still be in the middle of one of those, those situations and you can't see the, the, the faithfulness because there's not enough hindsight yet. But let me tell you, the Lord is faithful and He will come through. He's faithful to His promises. He's coming for you. But every time that happens, file it away in your memory. File it away in your soul. Because there'll be another one. And you need to have built your lives, your faith, on those memories and on those circumstances and on those situations that you've experienced before, those small faith, smaller faith moments that are leading to bigger faith moments where when you, can, you face them, um, you go, God's got this. Every single time that God showed up, every single time that God moved, every single time that God delivered or healed, my faith grew stronger. My confidence in the Lord grew greater. That's how God builds and grows faith. There's a purpose in our difficulties, in our trials, in our struggles, in our suffering. He comes through on His promises again and again and again and again, and we grow in faith. So as you begin to look towards the future, you begin to think about the new year and the new decade, take time to remember when you cried out and how God moved. Write them down as a testimony to the goodness of the Lord. If you haven't journaled those moments, go back in your memory prayerfully and ask God to remind you of all the moments where He proved Himself faithful and showed Himself faithful. And ask God to use those situations and those circumstances to build ever greater faith in you for your future, for this new year, for the new decade, for the rest of your life. There's going to be a moment that the Lord says leap. And that moment may be now. A moment that requires great faith. A moment that requires you to lay down some things and pick up some things. A moment that says get up and move. A moment that says, you know, do this great thing for me. A moment that says speak up and share the good news of the gospel. It's going to be hard, but I've got you. He's going to call you to leap. That's, that's what Christian life is about. Walking by faith, leaping by faith day by day into the calling and the glorious goodness of the Lord. And He uses you as a vessel to see His purposes fulfilled in this world. But it requires faith. Faith, not fear. Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, when you have a stack of, of, faith, of God's faithfulness in your, in your background, fear begins to fade away. Because God proves himself. He's preparing you to leap. So write those things down. Meditate on them. Consider them and, and allow faith to grow out of the soil of your heart. Number three, write this down. Remember and celebrate the truths you've learned from his word. 
So verse 52 says this, When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Or as it says in the NIV, NIV translation, I remember the Lord, your, O Lord, your ancient laws, and I am comforted in them. So remember the context. It's very difficult. The verse that precedes this verse, verse 51, talks about arrogant, unmerciful mockers. And verse 53 talks about anger and annoyance because of some wicked men. But right in the middle, the author says, in my difficulties, in my pains, among all these wicked people who are against me, in the, in the middle of my um, struggles, I remember your rules or your law or your word, and in them I find comfort. So when we're going through something, the Word of God is the best place to go for help and comfort and strength and direction. And the Holy Spirit directs our minds and our hearts in the Word of God. And this is one of the primary ways God speaks back to us. So the Spirit enables us to speak through Christ to the Father, and the Father speaks through, uh, uh, by Christ through the Holy Spirit back into us, but He uses the Word of God that has been implanted in our minds. To know what is God, to know, to maybe even to speak directly through His Word. The Word of God is incredibly important. It's essential for us. As a matter of fact, without the Word of God, you cannot spiritually like thrive. There's no way to spiritually thrive without the Word of God. And let me tell you, when you find yourself in a difficult situation, if you have not poured over Scripture, you have not studied Scripture, you've not been faithful to gather with the body to receive the truth of God's Word, maybe even been faithful to memorize some Scripture, what does the Holy Spirit really have to work with in you when He wants to speak? If we know that the Spirit uses the truths of the Word of God that would have been invested in us to speak to us, what I memorized, um, you know, John 3.16, so what's the Holy Spirit going to say every single time that he, that he opens His mouth to you? John 3.16, John 3.16, John 3.16. No, there's a whole lot more in Scripture. Now, I know God can speak in a thousand ways, but God's Word is the primary avenue through which God tunes the heart, prepares the heart, and speaks speaks to us. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God to bring revelation and direction in our lives. Scripture says, remember the Word. Remembering the Word requires that we've been invested in the Word. When we cry out, we need to make sure that the context of our cry is the Word of God. We can't wait until we're in a crisis to open the Bible. Like, we can't do that. There needs to be a stack of truth that the Holy Spirit can help apply in the middle of your your mess. A stack. And the bigger your stack... Stack it away in between crises. And the bigger you stack, the greater faith and the greater voice of the Lord that you will hear in the middle of your difficult circumstances. The greater peace that you will have because the Spirit will just bring that encouragement back to you. It will give you particular direction through the Word of God. When I look back... um, 
specifically on the years that the years that immediately followed Hurricane Katrina, I remember spe- some specific texts that the Lord brought me to. This may sound strange, but one of them was Mark 10, uh, 17 through 31. It's the story of the rich young ruler. Now, you need a little context here. Like I grew up in a, an affluent, um, white, suburban context in, in, outside of Memphis, Tennessee. So my parents are from here. My grandparents are from here. They, after LSU, they moved to Memphis, and I grew up in, in the suburbs in Memphis. And um, I'd never been in a position of, of want. Never. Here comes the hurricane. Well, all of a sudden, nothing. Now, I had some family that could help me out, some people that are in the community of faith that were able to kind of guide us along. But we lived out of a suitcase in the trunk of our car for about 10 weeks uh, while we were expecting Anna Claire. And so it was a little bit of a crazy time for the Tipton family. And we finally got settled. The Lord did a lot of great restoring things when it comes to the material things, but there, but there was still a massive hole in my heart on the back end of that difficult situation. Honestly, I had survivor's guilt. I got hired in Nashville, was able pretty immediately to buy a house because the church put the down payment down for me. They made, made me go register at Target and their whole church went and like filled our house up with stuff. They wrote checks and gave us money for furniture. Like God was super, super faithful, but for about two years of, when I was in Nashville at the very beginning, there was a, it's a very white-collar church. It's one of those churches you got to be very smiley and very like on it all the time. A lot of cultural pressure, especially for the youth pastor, like to deliver with these kids and parents, the parents who worship their children, and you know the whole thing, how it is in the suburbs. They think their kids like, can never do anything wrong. And so I'm trying to lead through that, but I am broken on the inside. And the Lord used some, the preaching of some, some men that I really uh, respect, but a text that leapt out of that was this text in Mark 10, and it's the text of the rich young ruler, and the Lord was like, that's you. And uh, the Lord led me to ask the question, do I care more about the things of this earth, or do I care more about the things of, of, of eternity? So in that tragedy, in that difficulty, in those pains, the Lord, over the course, honestly, three or four years it took to peel back layers of that difficulty. And if I'm going to be confessional, I still struggle every day with what I, what I want, what I think I need, what I'm pursuing. The Lord's like, I took it all away to teach you a lesson, and now you're socking it all away. But in that circumstance, the Lord was faithful to bring a text and speak. He used that lesson to honestly shape my heart and eventually send me out to start our, our Hope Church. Like a four-year cultivation of truth. I hope you've had moments like that and texts like that. I hope that for you. I hope that when you face difficulty, that there's things that the Lord brings to mind. I hope that you've walked long enough with the Lord where you can look back on some pretty significant moments and you see what the Lord said through His Word in difficult seasons. 
I hope that when you stub your toe on something in this life that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind and to your remembrance the things that He's taught you before today. I don't know if you see it, but verse 54 is fun. I love this verse, especially the way it comes right after talking about the the word and the the law. But um, it says, the author says, your statutes have been my song in the house of my sojourning. You see that? Like, I don't know about you, but when you're in difficult circumstances, God brings the word into your mind to encourage you. You want to sing about it. Maybe you don't, but I'm grateful we're in a church where the word is at the center of what we sing because those songs continue to help remind us of the truth of God. And when we get in a difficult situation, those songs pop into our minds, but it's not really the songs that the Lord's drawing to our heart. It's the word and the songs the Lord is bringing to our heart. He's just using the hook of music to draw it into our consciousness, the truths of God's word. Like, I love that that's included here, don't you? I mean, I love that. Like, I remember the word in the middle of my difficulties, and when the word's good in my difficulties, I sing it. Like, and I think song, singing the word of God has kind of a medicinal effect to the heart, but it, it also reminds us just of the truth we, sh- we should be continuing to pursue. <laughs> The author sings the word and the truths of God in order to remember them throughout the journey of his life. So that's beautiful. Last thing, write this down. Number four, remember what God has revealed about himself. Remember what the Lord has revealed about himself. So God does his best work in difficult seasons. Remember what God promised and how he came through. Um. Remember and celebrate the truths that you've learned from his word. And then finally, remember what God has revealed about himself. Verse 55 says, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. So it's interesting, this word name. So I, I don't know about you, how you when, when you think of someone's name, what you think. So I don't know what you think when you think um, Augustine or you think um, Sarah or you think... Megan or Josh or any, anybody else in the room. Or what you think when you think Matt Tipton. But um, I can tell you what you probably don't think. You don't think the letters M-A-T-T-T-I-P-T-O-N. Like, that's not what you think. But isn't that oftentimes like what we do with the Lord? Like, we think God, but because maybe we haven't seen him, and because our faith experiences are limited, we don't have as much to draw from on who God is. And so we think G-O-D or we think L-O-R-D or we think of some like reduced version of who God is when we think about the Lord. Like it's not the fullness of the Lord. You know, this word name in scripture, it meant far more even than what we think of when we think of a person's name. Like when I think of Melissa, I think about all the experiences that I've had with her. I think about, if I really sit and think about Melissa, I think about um, her character. I think about her faith story. I think about her testimony. I think about, um, you know, her personality. I think about, you know, just all these different things. I think about how she looks. You know, you, know, you just have these visions of people. Like, and it's the sum total of who they are when you think of their name. 
Well, in the same way, the word name in Scripture is intended to encompass much more than just our limited view of who God is. It says, I remember your name in the night. He's not thinking L-O-R-D or even spelling out Yahweh. Like he's not, it's not, that's not what the, the author means. What he means is, on my bed in the middle of night, I think about who you are, all the ways we've walked together, all of our experiences together, what I've seen of you, what I've experienced with you, um, you know, the fruits of your spirit that I know are, are that, that you possess, O oh Lord. Like we're thinking about the sum total of all we know about God. This, this, that's what this author is saying. In the, in the night, when it's dark, when it's difficult, when everyone's coming against me, I take a moment and I remember who you are, Lord. I remember your name. I remember who you are, the fullness of who you are. He's remembering all that he knows about God, his strength and his power and his love and his kindness and his joy and his peace and his faithfulness. He's remembering his interactions and his experiences with the Lord and how they shaped his view of God. He's, he's remembering God. Interestingly enough, there's some theology up underneath this. Uh, a name for God is mentioned here. Um, as a matter of fact, the like Big name for God, Yahweh, is mentioned here. That every time you see in Scripture, it says L-O-R-D in all caps. Like This is the, the most revered, highest honored name for God in all of Scripture. In all of Scripture. He says, I remember all of your greatness and all, all, the, all, of the, uh, all the reasons you deserve to be revered. I remember that. Now, even in this name, Lord, the, the word that is replaced is Lord, but in this name Yahweh, like the root of that word is I am. I am. Moses at the burning bush received this name from the Lord. Who are you, Lord? Moses said when the burning bush was burning and the God said, I am. My name is I am. Tell the people that I am sent you. If you kind of translate I am kind of in a Literally, it says, I be. I be, God says, I be that I be. I am that I am. In essence, he's saying, you fill in the blank. Everything that's good, everything that's holy, everything that's powerful, everything that's love, everything that's joy, everything that's peace, I am. I am. Everything you need, I am. Everything that you could possibly need, I possess. I am. And when the author cries out, I remember your name in the night. Oh, Lord. He's not just saying, I remember that you're my king. I remember that you're my Lord. He's saying, I remember that you are Yahweh. I remember that you are the I am. I remember that you are the one, the only one, who can meet every need of my heart and my life. I remember I am. I think it's super important before we consider tomorrow, before we consider this year, before we consider the next 10 years, more we cons before we consider the rest of our life, um, we need to take time to remember all of the ways that God showed up and he revealed himself to us and showed himself as the answer to all of our needs and all of our problems and all of our struggles. 
He is the Lord. He is Yahweh. He is I am. He is the only sufficient king. So, look, I don't know who this one was for. I know it's for me in a lot of ways. Um, The Lord has been reminding me to remember lately. And I think I know where it comes from. I actually looked this up this morning, but um, January, seven years ago, First Baptist Covington began renovating the space in preparation to start a new campus. Like this week, seven years ago. This week, 10 years ago, the Tiptons loaded up a moving truck and moved back to New Orleans to start a church. It's a lot of cool things to remember. And in knowing that, like I, I think through, I found myself over the holidays and especially this week remembering the difficulties of the last 10 years, the joys of the last 10 years, the ways God shaped me and our family over the last 10 years. I mean, for crying out loud, we came with Anna Claire and baby Dave. Like when David was little, he's like, oh God, dad. Um, when he was a little guy and now there's four of them and you know, they're getting bigger. Like there's so many different ways. Like I, I consider the pridefulness that lived in my heart 10 years ago and the ways that the Lord is, you know, flushing, not done. And I consider like, Even things that are in my personality and the way I approach life and people that tend to be a little abrasive and a little strong and forward. Like I think about the ways the Lord over the last 10 years is continuing to shape those things and use them and mold them for his purposes. And, you know, I think about the different hurts over the last 10 years, but even throughout my life that the Lord has brought beauty in and he's using in the day to day for me. You know, I, I think about, like, my work rhythms. Like, this is something I've been thinking about this week. And I'm going, how, what are my work rhythms going to be like in 2020 that were different than 19? And I remember seasons that I really, I don't mean this in a terrible way, but I really loved the work. Like, I loved getting up and going to work every day, and I still do. But the seasons that I loved the most were the ones that I spent a lot of time just loving people. And the more we grow and you know, all this sort of stuff. Sometimes it, there's a, a little bit of a, there's more meetings, right? <laughs> That's just the way it is. And I'm like, okay, Lord, how do I recapture personal discipleship? And how do I recapture walking life with individual people? How do I recapture this and be the pastor who's able to lead out forward and see the church, be a pastor that's able to do that, grow and continue to move and shake, but at the same time be present and caring, like, Everything the Lord is saying about tomorrow, the Lord has said before. So I I think I just want to invite you into that remembering, into that considering of what God has done. To to remember the, the terrible moments and the hindsight lessons, to remember the words that God has spoken to you that have been important and significant, to remember, you know, all that God has done and his faithfulness and the ways he's revealed himself to you and to go, okay, here's the best evaluation that I could give to the first week of January 2020. I'm going to remember and I'm going to make a concerted effort to walk in what God has said and what God has revealed. 
And we're always seeking new revelation. Scripture says, I mean, there's nothing new. God, you know, God's revealed himself. So let's take those things that God has said and that God has done and let's, be, let's authentically embrace what God has cultivated in each heart. So uh, before you start dreaming about the new year and the new decade, we might consider opening up a journal to remember the verses God used, the circumstances God used, the lessons God taught in the past. And we might let our resolution concerning this year spring from that. I think this is wiser. I think it's um, richer. I think it's more authentic. And I think that it is more God-honoring to begin with. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for the church. Um, thank you that the uh, body of believers gathers week in and week out to um, sing the praises of our King, to dig into the truths of the Word. Thank you that um, as I look through the room, like I, I know the circumstances, many circumstances and situations that people are or have faced, Lord, the ones who have faced, I'm so thankful that you again and again and again have shown yourself faithful to this church. I know that nothing that I've said here comes as a surprise or a shock. I pray that this lesson, this message would just be a reminder that we need to remember all that you have done. Um, you've done so much. You've healed. You've comforted. You've given new purpose. You've empowered. I mean, you, you, you've done... You provided, you've done thousands of things just among the people in this room. Lord, help us to remember and lead us to walk in your way as we remember all the things that you've done, all the things that you've said. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.